This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by Athletic Greens. Your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. And betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. We'll have another installment of BSJ Film Room in a bit. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. But let's start with the win, Greg. Yes, it was a win. It was a victory. Uh, How'd they do it? And really, at the end of the day, when you watch this back, how even was the game on Sunday? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty even. I thought the Patriots were certainly a little bit more potent um, on offense. I think they they left a lot of plays on the field, which we will uh, definitely touch on as we talk. Um, you know, but you know, when it came down to it, each team muffed a punt. Uh, Miles Bryant had a brain fart where he muffed it at about the five yard line. It goes bounding into the end zone, and luckily for the Patriots, the rule is if you don't, not for the Patriots, but just in general. Um, if you muff it within field of play, you don't have possession. Then you go in, it's a touchback. Gunnar Olszewski, not only did he have the ball go off his face mask, but the Steelers didn't have enough. They had 10 guys on the, on the field to start the play. I mean, that's just, that's just bad football. And it, and it sets up the game winning score, gives the Patriots the ball at the 10 yard line, gives them a layup touchdown. Um, the Patriots made one big play down the field, the Nelson Aguilar jump ball, which had a, according to ESPN, had a 26% probability. Uh, so fortunate there that Nelson Aguilar made a tremendous play and the Steelers defensive back made a bad play. You know, you put all that stuff together and the Patriots escape Pittsburgh with a desperately needed three point victory. It's not going to go in the Louvre or anything like that, as far as victories go, but uh, certainly with what's gone on probably the last, well, since January with this team, since getting wiped, uh, getting the floor wiped with them by the bills in, uh, in the playoff game, uh, they needed this, like, uh, you know, like crossing the desert and finding a drink of water. I mean, they, they were just, they were dying. They had to get this win. If they didn't, it would have been demoralizing and who knows what would have happened, but Hey, now they're one on one, one and one and, you know, hope, hope persists. You know, it was obviously a tight victory on the road. We both had them winning by three to six points. So I don't think it was a shocker that it was a close game. I didn't really see either team being, being able to stretch the lead, so to speak, and win this by 10 to 14. But when you watch the film, Greg, when you watch the game, did the coaches, because coaching obviously is going to be a running theme this season, did the coaches set up their team as good as they could have to maybe win this game by more than three points? I thought so. I thought that this was, as far as offensive approach, offensive execution, um, specific play calling adjustments, uh, this was a dramatic improvement over week one. Of course, I don't know uh, how how much worse it could have gotten, after week one, but uh, to me, they actually looked, they went from being a mess against Miami to they actually looked like a competent NFL 
offense. And I thought that, uh, you know, while the, at the end of the day, the stats aren't going to wow anybody or anything like that with what the Patriots did in this game, um, including the, you know, 17 points that they scored. But I, it was just a much more professional operation. And to me, and I don't have any direct knowledge of this, but just observing the team this summer, observing them in week one, observing them in the past, to me, this reeked of a game where Bill Belichick for the entire week and, and on game day got hugely involved in the offensive operation. He saw, he saw the film after week one. He's like, holy cow, we can't, we can't do this. And so I think from soup to nuts, from game planning to in-game coaching, adjustments, play calling, I think Bill Belichick was hugely involved with what happened, and it made a huge improvement. Yeah, he was more involved with Mac Jones on the sidelines, it seemed like. And, of course, you saw them kind of revert to their old-school run game more than the zone scheme runs that we had been talking about during the preseason. So maybe there was a little bit, Hey guys, we went a little too far on some of this stuff. Let's kind of bring it back in and do what we know we can do well. And, you know, when you look at that final drive, which I'm sure we'll get into, I thought that was so key for this offense to kind of build some belief at the end of that football game to, you know, everybody knew what they were going to do and they were still able to do it at a high level, run the football down the Steelers throats. I thought that was good. And we also look, I'm not telling you, Matt Patricia is going to be great, but we do have to remember he's new to this and that's not on Patricia. That's on Belichick. It's not like Mm -hmm. Patricia walked in and said, Hey, I want to call the offensive plays. So it's going to take him some time, which, you know, isn't what you want at the NFL level, but maybe he, he will get into a little bit better of a groove as a play caller, you know, through the first month, month and a and half. I'm not it, preaching patience for the whole year, but, but maybe it'll take him some time. And, and once he finds that he'll get going a little. Yeah. And, and, you know, germane to this discussion about the coaching and the approach this week is, and, and also with Patricia is look, I don't think that Bill to start this whole thing put Matt in in a very good position, um, mostly because of how many different hats he asked him to wear, which was he was probably still yep. helping out with the front office. Then you get into being the coordinator, the play caller, and also coaching the offensive line. And one of the big adjustments in this game, and I think it made a huge impact. So I think one of the huge things that they did in this game, and I thought it made a tremendous impact as far as, you know, we saw the a bunch of free rushers and problems with the offensive line. What they did in this game was Billy Yates, the assistant offensive line coach, who all through the preseason, through the first game, would spend the first half upstairs in the coach's booth. Then he would come down in the second half thinking that, all right, any wrinkles that we have to adjust to, like they, they've already declared themselves in the first half. They're not really going to come out with something new where we need to see it from above and, and all that stuff. So I think that was the approach. I think that the Patriots, one of the adjustments after week one was, you know, look, we, we need to get, we need to help our guys more. And when, what was happening was Matt Patricia would get done and He'd, he'd, you know, have to do his offensive coordinator duties and then go over to the offensive line. And you'd have players like David Andrews and James Ferentz really sort of tutoring some of the offensive linemen. And that's just not good enough. This is one of the, the one of my biggest questions with this whole operation the entire time was how the hell is Matt Patricia going to coordinate the offense, call the plays, think about what he's going to call, what he's going to set up next drive and 
do the adjustments with the offensive line, let alone what if there's a what if there's a short possession where it's only like two plays and he doesn't have time to get to the offensive line. So this time they this game they made a huge adjustment where they brought Billy Yates down from the start. So he basically coached the offensive line. Yes, Matt Patricia was involved, but he was also able to be involved now with other position groups and go around to them and talk to them. Hey, this is what we're going to do. I'd like you to see you to see you do this better. And he could also, and this is an underrated thing. He could also at times look Mac Jones in the eye and talk about, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about next series. What do you think about it? That is huge. And it's these defensive guys who don't know who haven't been on the offensive side, don't know the importance of just looking your quarterback in the eye and seeing his conviction. You know, does he feel strongly about this? Does he not? Is he lying to me? Um, that sort of thing. And then Bill was also involved with the quarterback. So basically it looked like to me, Bill was coaching the quarterbacks along with Joe judge, mostly bill. Billy Yates had the offensive line and Matt Patricia was being an offensive coordinator. To me, I thought that made a humongous difference in this game, allowed the Patriots to set up what they were going to do, come up with some adjustments that sort of took the Steelers by surprise, including on the final drive. And this is just, it looked like a real NFL offensive operation. And look, it's better late than never. I mean, it's, it shouldn't have come to this, but at least they got here in week two and it's not like week 12 and they're like two and 10 or something like that. At least they're here. Let's see what happens now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think that just on the basic fundamental level, it makes sense. And why would you not do this from day one? Why would not Yates be there? And and I know you just explained like, you know, seeing it from bird's eye view and looking for wrinkles, but it just seems so obvious and so full mm-hmm. of common sense where, you know, Bill Belichick known as the greatest coach of all time, didn't have this kind of strategically planned out from game one weird, but they made the adjustments. Game two was better. I am, I am starting to see some things too, Greg, you know, th- there are people on Twitter and, and I was one of them on Sunday criticizing Mac Jones for his play. What mm-hmm. I don't want us to do. And I think some fans will do this is just blame everything on the coaching, right? Like, right. oh, you know, they're, they're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. And, of course, Mac Jones has everybody in his ear and blah, blah. There are some things that you see on Sunday that were very unlike the Mac Jones we saw in his rookie season. I don't think we can blame everything on the coaching. we got to start looking at Mac. And I thought Mac needed to play better on Sunday, if not much better. What did you see from the quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Uh, and and look, I am one of these people that up until this point, I was ready to give Mac Jones, or I did give Mac Jones the benefit of the doubt, because I didn't think the operation was settled enough around him. And look, there might have been some carryover from week one, and he was under a tremendous amount of pressure, especially in the first half in this game. It didn't look like it. He wasn't hit a whole lot. He wasn't sacked. But that doesn't mean that a quarterback's not feeling pressure. This is why I I tabulate it myself. My numbers are different than, say, PFF, but I think my numbers are consistent. And and I look at, was the quarterback affected on the play? And and I had him getting pressured 59% in the first half. The the only real one that you remember is he got blasted. Trent Brown made made a mistake, his only mistake in this game, um, to my eyes on the interception and Mac Jones got blasted when he delivered it. And that was really the only hit that he took in the first half. But I, you know, I thought for the game, he got pressured 42.5% of the time, which is a lot to, it it was, it's the most that I've charted 
in his young career. And that definitely has an effect. And, and it also also has an effect if you don't have a lot of confidence in the line, but also what you're doing play-wise, uh, execution, things like that. And and I did not blame Mac in week one for not playing his best. I thought a lot of it was on the operation. It was sloppy. Right. There, the play calling wasn't very good. The execution wasn't very good. But this game was different. And I thought that the Patriots did a good job. I thought that Matt Patricia did a good job. Um, there were some plays that were that were definitely schemed up that Max should have stayed with more. He had good protection. He didn't do it. Sometimes he just flat out missed open guys, um, including like little Jordan Humphrey was wide open on a called bang action play completely wide open and Mac Jones didn't see him and ends up um, and then Jacoby Myers was open initially on the throw where Mac almost got picked off where Sutton dropped the interception there were multiple plays like that and at the end of the day and and look I don't want to dismiss that he might still be dealing with whatever the the back injury he sustained against Miami and maybe he's a little gun shy I understand that but at the end of the day, I, I pointed out, and I did a whole column on this at BSJ. People want to point it, uh, go check it out, um, where I take the coach's film, I talk you through it, I explain it, you know, what I saw. And to me, I had eight crucial plays that Mac either missed open receivers, threw too quickly, just was all out, just too panicky. And to me... He needs to be, if this team's going to go anywhere this year, he's got to be a lot better. He needs to stop. I don't know if he's feeling sorry for himself about the the offense or what's going on, but if if they're going to be this competent in their operation going forward, Mac needs to knock it off. He needs to play tougher in the pocket, and he needs to deliver the ball when he's supposed to. Yeah, not everything is on the coaching. Mac needs to take some responsibility and accountability for some of the things that we saw on Sunday, the almost interception was inexcusable. It's just an awful play, awful decision, awful throw. There was a third down late in the game where he had both Myers and Humphrey wide open and he missed them. He, he threw to Janu and like double yep. coverage under little check down. That was a big time mistake. And when we talk about Mac Jones, we don't talk about his electric skill set. We talk about his football IQ. We talk about his vision his, you know, his, his operating system in between the ears. Right. And yep. the fact that he, he's not careless, he takes care of the football. And we've seen in the first two weeks that hasn't been the case. The IQ hasn't been as high. The, the vision and operating system has not been as good. And he's been careless with the football a few too many times. He's got to tighten up. He's got to play better. You talked about the pressures in the first half, Greg, overall, how'd you think the offensive line played with the changes, Yates being down at the sidelines and all that? Uh, Overall, uh, you know, pretty well. I mean, I, I thought that uh, Isaiah Wynn gave up a ton of pressure in this game, almost all of it in the first half. He only gave up one hurry in the second half. So maybe they made some adjustments there. Um, you know, I thought Trent Brown had a tremendous bounce back game after he really struggled against the Dolphins. You had to question, you know, does he even give a crap anymore? Is he going to quit on this team? I think the answer to that is a resounding no after the way he's played in this game. So uh, credit to Trent Brown for being a pro and bouncing back and playing really strong. Other than that, that one mental error that he had on the interception, I had him for a clean sheet besides that. I thought David Andrews did a nice job. Awenu did a nice job. Cole Strange, 
you know, look, you're going to get a divergence of opinion on this. And I'm sure people are out there be like, Bernard hates Cole Strange. He hated the pick. Like, I never hated Cole Strange, the player. I, I thought it was a reach in the first round. I would have rather seen them do something different. But I am on record from the get-go is saying, like, Cole Strange has a lot of talent. I'm not sure when it's going to arrive. It might even be as a center down the line, but he's going to play for a long time in this league. If you want to spend a first-round pick on that, that's fine. I have nothing against Cole Strange. But uh, to me, I had Cole Strange, and and also people are going to go on Twitter and see some Twitter people put out two or three plays against Cole Strange against uh, Cam Hayward and say, like, look at Cole Strange. He's awesome. Yeah, well, there's there's – 54 other plays in the game. And to me, Cole Strange was my lowest rated Patriots offensive lineman. I didn't think he was bad in this game. Just struggled with, you know, some stuff, you know, a little bit sloppy here and there. Gave up some pressure, struggled a little bit in the running game. He didn't see Hayward as much in this game as we anticipated. Bill Belichick talked about this. Mike Tomlin talked about it. Because T.J. Watt was out of the game, they elected to move Hayward from defensive tackle to defensive end to sort of make up for not having T.J. Watt. Um, they did get matched up later in the game, especially on the last drive, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, but, you know, and it's not just me. PFF also had Cole Strange as the Patriots, by far their lowest-rated offensive lineman in this game. And, and so, but overall, I thought it was definitely – it was definitely good enough to win. The pressure was a bit of an issue. Um, some of it was just, you know, the guy Highsmith is a really good player. Um, number 50, you know, showed a lot of spunk in the rush game. Hayward did Hayward things in this game. Um, so not a terrible game um, from the offensive line. I thought they were solid uh, overall. Just, uh, you know, but, you know, a good day for them. Defensively. Where's this team at right now? Hard to tell off this game, Nick. I mean, I think, I think look, I, I, I'm moderately confident considering what they did against the Dolphins, and I'm not going to say, well, what, I'm not going to do the whataboutisms. Oh, well, they held the Dolphins to whatever points they had in the first game, 24, 13. something like that. 13. 13, yeah. And look what the Dolphins did against the Ravens. First of all, I haven't watched that film yet, but from what I hear, the Ravens were just god-awful, horrendous in the second half on defense and just gave up way too many big plays. But going off the Dolphins game and now this game, I think we can be pretty confident in saying that the Patriots are playing Patriots defense. They're not going to give up a lot of big plays. They're going to be opportunistic on defense, get a turnover here and there. And um, and I, I would say they're doing a better job against the run than they did a year ago, which is good and really good news going into the Ravens game. And, uh, you know, they're 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 solid overall. How good they are. Hard to tell at this point. Um, you know, definitely off of this game. I think like we talked about going in the Steelers offense is horrendous in coordination. They have a horrendous quarterback who doesn't have much guts to look down the field. Uh, all of that played right into the hands of the Patriots and, you know, they were able to play, you know, well enough on defense. You know, you don't like giving up a 80 yard drive to Mitch Trubisky in about two and a half minutes, but um, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes that's, that's dictated by the situation in the game, but I thought overall, uh, 
you know, they're a good, solid unit. We're not sure of what their ceiling is yet. That 80-yard drive, uh, Judon sat out a lot of that drive. I'm not sure why, but he he was on the sidelines for most mm-hmm. of that drive, which was interesting to me. But defensively, look, I think they've been good. You can only play who you can play on the schedule, right? And I, I think they've been better against the run, like you said, Greg. I think they've gotten better pass rush than I expected without having to blitz a lot. I think the defensive lines played pretty well and yep. they haven't given up big plays. And I think this is what we're seeing now across the league. And, and Belichick has slowly transitioned into this the last couple of years, but more zone. They're playing a lot more zone in that secondary. And that's what teams across the league are playing now. They, they don't want to play a lot of man because they're afraid of the movement and misdirection pre-snap. And all of a sudden, you know, one guy blows a coverage. And the next thing you know, I think that happened uh, with with Baltimore on Sunday against Miami. You know, you blow a couple of coverages, Tyreek Hill beats you over the top. And now all of a sudden it's a different game in the last few minutes. So they're playing more zone. They're not giving up a lot of big plays. And, you know, if that's what this defense has to do, that's what they have to do. You mentioned it. It will be a much tougher assignment coming up this weekend with Lamar Jackson. And when we talk about run defense and we talk about team speed and sideline to sideline at the second level, guys like Mac Wilson, can they can they kind of change this defense against a really good running game and a really good running quarterback? We'll find that out this weekend. So that's the next step. That's the next progression. Uh, before we get to the film room, Greg, tell our friends about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional su- supplements I needed in one place. I hated buying all those different pills and just to make sure I was getting what I needed. Now I've been on it for two months and I love it. It doesn't take taste like it's super healthy. I know you hear green juice and you're like, Bleh. no, like this stuff, it actually tastes good. It's It has kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my morning routine, and I'd be lost without it. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's jump into the BSJ film room. Greg usually includes film in his game day column. Three coaches film plays on Monday. More in his comprehensive game review on Tuesday. More breaking down the next opponent, et cetera, et cetera. You cannot get this anywhere else and it's well worth the 39.99 let's start greg with the uh mac jones interception some may ask greg if coaches played a role in this pick or, or was this all on mr jones so yeah i've heard a lot there's been a lot of conversation um in new england about and, and look max brought some of this on himself by some of his post-game quotes where he says like that's the philosophy that we have now or like this is what we want to do and so you know i don't think mac loves it uh, I do think it's a little excuse making and, and 
you know, let's use this play as an example, third and five on the 44 towards the end of the first quarter. So the Patriots come out, they are in shotgun spread. They used only 11 personnel in this game uh, to max left, uh, which is the short side of the field. You have Hunter Henry, you have Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield with Mac to his right. You have Devonte Parker in the slot, Jacoby Myers, in uh in, in the the middle position the number two position and nelson Aguilar uh deep on this play now what's key about this is that watching the steelers so right now the steelers have 34 the deep safety uh i think that's edmonds doesn't really matter uh they are showing and he's 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 walking towards the middle of the field before the snap max checking it out so right now it looks like it could be some sort of uh, cover, cover three, three deep with one deep safety and cornerbacks that don't let the receiver get deep. Okay, so that's what Mac is probably thinking. They're also showing possible slot blitz off the corner uh, before the snap. And so if the Steelers are coming with pressure, which they did not do a lot of in this game, uh, it looks like it's going to be some sort of single high safety, either cover three or man. Max not sure, but he's basically watching the off safety right here to give an indication after the snap. If he drops back, that means that it's split safeties, and it could be it's some sort of cover two. Tampa two, cover two, what have you. So Max should be reading this, the strong safety, the, the, the safety that's closer to the line of scrimmage. Let's watch him after the snap. He bails out. So now Max should know that the Steelers are, are going to be in too deep safety. And now he doesn't see this, but uh, the middle linebacker now is very deep. He's eyeing Devontae Parker from the slot. This is Tampa 2 coverage because the in Tampa 2, the, the safeties get very wide. And the middle linebacker, you need an athletic one to really do it. Think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the day with Derek Brooks. He has to go, he has to carry the middle of the field. He gets the middle third of the field, basically. So against Tampa, what you're looking for is against cover two, you're looking for where Hunter Henry is on the left side of the field. There's a void here. There's a void in the middle of the field here, and there's a, there's a void over here in, in the side along the right sideline. So, but what happens here is a couple of things, and we'll see the pressure because Mac Jones is under tremendous amount of pressure. Trent Brown misses his block. He knows he's going to get blasted. So Mac, basically, when he decides to throw it, Devontae Parker is covered by the middle linebacker. Jacoby Myers is trying to make an in-cut, and Mac basically just throws it up for grabs. And it hangs up way in the air. The safety's over to be is able to come over the top and pick him off. Now, one thing I want you to watch: ideally, ideally, if Mac Jones has time here, then Devontae Parker clears out, and and this is good design. This is a beater against cover two. Devontae Parker goes vertical, carries the middle linebacker. Jacoby Myers comes on an in-cut, and he's wide open in the middle of the field. But Mac yep. doesn't have time to get to that. If you're going to throw it up to anybody on this play, you'd rather it be Myers um, because there's less traffic around him. But 
So it's not a design shot play to Devontae Parker. It's a panic throw. I don't blame Mac all that much on this. I don't like that he just threw it up for grabs in the middle of the field. That's not where I would have thrown it up for grabs. But we'll show you the end zone view where you see what happens with Trent Brown, which is Highsmith fakes like he's going to go into coverage. Trent Brown forgets about him, now looks inside to help against Cam Hayward. And now Highsmith comes and Brown doesn't see him. Mac knows at this point he just saw Highsmith. He knows he's about to get blasted. He needs to do something with the ball. He throws off his back foot, just flicks it out there. He did this a lot in this game, hangs up in the air, and it's got no chance. That's Look, I don't blame him for getting rid of it. He got blasted, but he's got, he's got to do something else with the ball than just throw it up to Minka Fitzpatrick, who's like an all-pro. All right, next play. The play that, uh, as you deemed, got away. Let's look at the play that got away. Uh Yes, let me, uh, I just need to figure out where that play is because I got to fast forward <laughs> a little bit. Hang on a second. So, but again, as Greg looks for this next play, you know, that, that last play that he just broke down for everybody, that is a, a perfect example of, hey, you know, the coaches could, could drop the right play against the right defense You've got the, you know, Tampa two beater, as Greg said, and it's going to work, but Trent Brown blows his assignment up front. Matt gets hurried. He gets panicked and he tosses it up for grabs. So, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily on the play call, right? It's not on the play call. Matt Patricia called the right play against that defense. And if Mac has an extra second or so, it's probably a gigantic gain as long as he makes the throw to Jacoby Myers and they complete that play. So, you know, that's an example when we talk about it's not just watch the game and if a play doesn't work, oh, that's on Matt Patricia. That's that's lazy. That's a lazy narrative. You've got to look at the play and see what happened, what went wrong. And in that play that Greg just drew up, what what went wrong was Trent Brown up front and Mac felt hurried. And so that was that was the issue on that play. Hang on one second. All right. For the for the audio people here, Greg is Greg is still trying to search for the play that that got away. This play got away from Mac, and it's getting away from Greg right now as we look for it. Okay, I found it. So it's right after this is right after the Trubisky um, interception. The Patriots decide, okay, we're going to come out. Um, we're going to try to go for a big play, and they actually use wow play action. This is this is. An old Patriot staple, it's the bang action. They run some sort of run action to get the linebackers to bite. What they're going to do is, and Max under center, Ramondre Stevenson is the lone guy. Uh, Parker is ex-ISO to the left. You have trips sort of to the right with Jonu Smith, little Jordan Humphrey, and Jacoby Myers. Uh, Smith comes in motion, but now he's going to come across. It's sort of like a counter. Smith is going to come into the hole by right between left tackle and left guard like he's going to block. Both linebackers bite play action, and they forget about little Jordan Humphrey, who is completely wide open in the middle of the field. No one is even there. Mac does not see him for whatever reason. I don't know if these guys are too – he can't see over the top of them. He's still wide open. He's still wide open. And Mac ends up throwing a little dinker to Ramondre Stevenson. You'll see it from the end zone. 
same sort of thing. Here's Humphrey. My goodness. On the right. Wide open. You get exactly He's what wide. you want here. This is, all right, we're going to go for it. Fake the run. Good hard run action. Everybody bites. Two, both linebackers bite. And a little Jordan oh, is Mac has to see that. wide open. Mac has to see that. Wow. Yeah. Again, perfect, perfect play call. Great play call. Everybody executed the play other than Mac Jones. Yeah, it's um, it, it, there were multiple plays like that. And, and let me just I just wanted to point out um, we don't have time to get to it. But the, the final third down on defense from Matt, Matt Judon and you can go on to BSJ. Yeah. I broke down this play as part of my three plays to a W. I do that every Monday, whether it's an L or W. I break down three plays with the coaches film. Matthew Judon on the final play when he broke up that pass, he's not actually supposed to be in coverage against that running back. It's supposed to be Juwan Bentley, but because Matthew Judon realized there was so much going on at the line of scrimmage that Bentley wasn't going to be able to get over, Judon decided to take it upon himself to carry the running back down the field. And that's the difference between a pass breakup. And if Judon doesn't do that, you're talking about like a 50-yard play down the sideline on a wheel route to the running back. So tremendous play by Matthew Judon. Fantastic stuff. Judon's been good so far this year. Uh, tell the people before we get to three up, three down about Bet Online. Yes, absolutely. Uh, bet football is back, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest odds, football odds, news, and game matchups, including this year's week three games, including the Ravens and the Patriots this week. Get in on that. Ooh. Patriots are underdogs at home. How do we feel about that? Bet online is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to Bet Online to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use your promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. CLNS 50. Let's do the uh, fastest version of three up, three down that we can do, starting with three up, Greg. <laughs> uh, Matthew Judon. I thought he was he was dominant in the game. He's the Patriots' best player. Closed out the game with a tremendous play, a heads-up play, one that I, I saw him blow a few times last year. He has learned those lessons. Um, tremendous job by him. Yeah, he's been really good. Nelson Aguilar uh, showed up big time, made the catch in the game. Of course, everyone knows which one I'm talking about. Uh, his best game to me as a Patriot so far. And, uh, you know, if he can build on that, that's great for Mac Jones in this offense. Yeah, Aguilar was my number two. And my number three was Trent Brown. I had him for just one miscue in this game. It was huge. He played a big role in, uh, you know, closing out the game with the run down the stretch where they grinded it out, which was huge. Hopefully they found their identity on that drive and, and Trent Brown was a big part of that. I had Judon as my number two, and I'll go with uh, Christian Barmore as my number three. He was really quiet in game one against Miami. Thought he showed up multiple times here uh, on that defensive line for the Patriots. And, and if they can get Barmore going like we expect them to, the way Judon's playing, the way Wise is playing, Greg, this defensive line might be better than we thought it was going to be. Uh, three down. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you all three of mine. Number one, Jake Bailey. Um, I thought that he had he had two punts that went for touchbacks when he could have pinned the Steelers deep. He did do it a couple yeah. times, but 
he completely blew it. You know, he had a 31.5 net average in this game. That's that's horrendous. And, you know, they gave him a contract extension. They In a game like this, they need him to be the best punter on the field, and he wasn't in this game. Uh, Mac Jones, we talked about. I, I did not think he played well enough for what, what he was given in this game. And also Jalen Mills. I thought he kind of went through the motions in this game. I don't know if he's hurt or what, but I, you know, and, and they were definitely playing over the top of all these guys. I get it. And so they, they probably didn't want to risk a big play, but he could have been a little bit better in this game. I'll throw one more name in there. Devonte Parker. What the hell yeah. is going on? They don't <laughs> even look like they're on the same page. He and Mac no. Jones. It, it's, it's all over the place and Parker has to be better quick. Cause if not, man, if Thornton can get healthy, Parker might slide down the depth chart even further. He, he has not been nearly good enough. He's got to get his mm-hmm. ass going. Uh, BSJ member question of the day quickly from Pat's jam, Greg, basically what's up with the tight ends? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think that, um, you know, as far as Johnny Smith, look, any, anything that you thought he was going to be like taking another leap this season, like this is, this is just, it's not who he is. He doesn't go down the field. He's a naked bootleg type of guy, a reverse, do a couple things, you know, dump it down to him, breaks a couple tackles. That's about what he's going to do. The Hunter's Henry thing is a freaking mystery to me. There are routes, especially on the first drive of this game, where you look at the coverage, and a year ago I would be confident in saying, why is Hunter Henry going that way? Like when a cornerback has, when he's running down the field and on his left is a cornerback or a safety, and he runs into that coverage a year ago, he would never do that. He would break to the right according to the leverage of the defense. Now he doesn't do that. Have they taken away those controls for the receivers? And I also think it's part of the philosophy where, you know, when they get into the red zone, freaking look for Hunter Henry first. Like stop throwing to yeah. Damian Harris yeah. in the flat for crying out loud. I'm sick of watching it. It doesn't work. I'm sure it'll work this week. And people will be like, Bernard, you're an idiot. How about Damian Harris? Just how about this? How about first play and the goal, uh, goal to go, run play action to Hunter Henry. Please, you know, sort of like the Steelers did with Friar Muth against Adrian Phillips. Like they singled him up. They ran a running back underneath to free up Friar Muth. And guess what? Adrian Phillips didn't have a chance against that big moose. The Patriots can do the same thing with Hunter Henry and that they're not using him is a freaking disgrace. It infuriates me. They're wasting tons of money on the tight end position yep. and getting no production out of them. Wake up, get him going. And if that's what John who can do, then dump off some passes to him a few times a game and, and let him do his, his magic with the yak. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, he's Greg. I'm Nick. Thanks to athletic greens and bet online. We're back on uh, Thursday later this week to preview the Baltimore Ravens coming to Foxborough till then be good, be healthy, be safe. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavill. 